Luka Doncic has signed a mega extension in Dallas, so does he get a title in Big D? Also, also, the Field of Dreams game brings in the highest ratings for Major League Baseball in over 15 years. So is Major League Baseball doing something right? Plus a lot more, including the NFL. Welcome to the Spinning Sports Podcast, season number two, and just take a look at this new studio. Look at this it. Is, this is amazing. Landon Bethay, my name is Grayson Singleton, and how was your summer, first of all? It's been a while. Summer was great, eventful, but also enough time to relax and mm -hmm. take in the simple things you know summer. I missed I think this is the first summer where I missed not being able to do a podcast because there was oh. so much news over the summer Tons of it like well, all sort of sports I mean the big like, 12 right which for us is huge of course and then you know you have free agency that's baseball NBA. free agency and NBA free agency, NBA free all agency. happening it seemed like the same day mm -hmm. so it was it was pretty pretty eventful Tim Tebow got cut yeah I can't say I'm surprised right uh, I, I also can't say that I fault the Jaguars for trying with Tim Tebow just mm -hmm. because if Trevor Lawrence threw a touchdown pass to Tim Tebow, social media would erupt for a month. Right. So that would already bring in so many, so many viewers just to watch. Because Tim Tebow, I mean, he's still a huge football name. No matter of course. what, he, if he wants to go be an analyst, he'll go be an analyst. If he mm -hmm. wants, that's why he got his job as a tight end for even though it was a brief amount of time, that's right. why he got it, because of his name. So I can't fault the Jaguars and, for and trying. His, and his relationship with Urban Meyer, right. obviously. That too. And so you can't fault the Jaguars and Urban Meyer for trying. Mm -hmm. However, let's be real, Tim Tebow, while he might have a tight end build, you, if you watched him at all, try to watch him block. Dude, you watch see him, the block? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a poor attempt at a block, to say the least. Was that even a block? I, it looked like it was supposed to be some sort of crackback block. Which isn't even legal. Right, and he he missed that, so it was it, all right. It was bad. It's all right, he's quarterback. All I know is, as a as a Broncos fan, look, Tim Tebow probably I can count on I can probably count on one hand how many quarterbacks I've seen that were worse NFL quarterbacks than Tim Tebow. Really? I mean, can let's you count let, how many Broncos quarterbacks on one hand that were worse than Tim Tebow. I think I could count over basically after Peyton. I mean, Manning. after Peyton Manning, let's see. I mean, even Trevor Simeon was. Kind of better yeah, than Tim but, Tebow? Yeah, but Tim Tebow won a playoff game. That is true. Won a playoff Paxton Lynch was worse than Tim Tebow. Paxton Lynch it was terrible. Paxton Lynch was awful. Um, but, I mean, off the top of my head, NFL quarterbacks have just been worse than Tim Tebow, like Nate Peterman. Oh. Jamarcus Russell, maybe? Yeah, Jamarcus Russell was Jamarcus Russell the biggest was bust. Pretty bad. Most likely ever. Maybe yeah. Tim Couch is in that conversation. Tim Couch is probably in that conversation. Well, speaking of quarterbacks, I think that yeah. Perfect way to translate into rookie right. quarterbacks in the preseason. Mm -hmm. And who, who impresses you? So obvi the obvious answer is Justin Fields. Um, Trey Lance yeah. didn't look bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, five for fi five for fourteen isn't ideal. Like that's mm -hmm. basically completing a third of your passes. So right. you like a little bit more accuracy there. I think I have to go with Justin Fields, even though Zach Wilson looked aight. He looked all right. He, he was he was oh, he was all right. And then Mac Jones, I think you'll touch on him. In a, in a little bit. Jones. But Justin Fields, one of the things I liked about him was that he had an understanding of the pocket a lot. He mm. had an understanding of very NFL concepts in yeah. terms of the bootlegs and then the moving pocket, which is something new in the NFL today. Mm -hmm. And then he made a lot of throws very accurately. So I think he really is going to make it difficult. Honestly, I think it's I think Andy Dalton will not be the starter week one. I think Justin Fields is going to be the week one starter yeah. as he continues to progress, and he's going to look better. 
Um, a friend of mine brought up to me that he didn't look particularly great against Miami starters. Yeah. But I think in preseason week two and then in preseason week three, I think he's really going to separate himself, and they're going to see so much more of a ceiling for Chicago right. with him under center rather than Andy Dalton. I think you hit that perfectly at the end there. The ceiling with Justin Fields is so much higher than it will be with Andy Dalton. Now the question is, which it seemed like that question was answered week one of the preseason, Justin Fields is perfectly fine stepping in there and making plays. And I know it's preseason and it's not necessarily what translates to the regular season, mm -hmm. but the question is, can Justin Fields adapt quickly in the NFL? And that's a question for a lot of quarterbacks, especially an Ohio State quarterback. Ohio State doesn't, their quarterbacks don't have the greatest track record in nope. the league. But he answered a lot of questions, I think, which will make the Chicago's QB room, I think their starters now a little bit more obvious. I think Justin Fields, it's always tough to start a rookie early on in the season, mm -hmm. but I, I don't think you have much to lose in as far as your team's record. Now, obviously, you don't want to risk him getting in there and getting injured right. because when you're as a quarterback in the NFL, especially one such as Justin Fields, who's a dual-threat quarterback, the risk of injury is higher You know, mm -hmm. since you're running the ball. Right. But translating from that, Justin Fields probably was the most impressive quarterback as far as if you check social media, he's all over it. What did you think of Mac Jones? I know I, you're a Patriots fan. I, yes, I was actually very happy to see Mac Jones going to the Patriots offense. And he almost, he didn't, he was not, I would say, impressive. That's not the word I would use. Now, I personally am satisfied with his performance out on the field. However, impressive's not the, quite the right word. I would say he played solid just because he did his job which is the Patriots MO that's what you're supposed to do as a Patriots player right and as a rookie quarterback such as Mac Jones who comes from a system in Alabama where doing your job is a point of emphasis I think he did everything you can ask him to do he went out there he got his feet wet a little bit he got some experience mm -hmm. and he looked better than Cam Newton which I'm not saying too much in today's right today's how do you think Mac Jones translates to the NFL because he's coming from Alabama right. yeah you have the greatest coach in college football history to like the greatest coach in NFL history but he was throwing and especially that last year at Alabama he was throwing the dudes that were just like butt naked they were open, they were open. right so now you're going into a system where yeah. yeah the tight ends are great with Smith and Henry but your receivers on the perimeter are guys like Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar the receivers will not be they're not going open to be like that all, like there's not going to be 15 yards of separation. So how do you think then that he translates to the NFL, particularly in a division that has very good defensive backs? So I'll say this. Cam Newton looked the best last year when he played within himself. And he had right. his great game against Seattle. Seattle, yeah. And if you watched him, he played, he, while his numbers were phenomenal and outstanding, you watched him play and he was very, it seemed like he was very calm. He was very within himself. But then, and there's a lot of excuses that we've gone over in the past. Mm-hmm. COVID, lack of receivers, Cam Newton started to look like he was trying to do too much out there. That came, that, that forced fumbles, that forced interceptions. Yeah. Mac Jones strikes me, and obviously we know he's a very smart individual. Yes. Based off, he came out of there, I believe, a double major in Alabama. And so he, I believe he had a 4.0 as well. Like, and now as a football player, you might have a little bit of more of a, a cater to in the classroom. All right. But he kind of does look like a dude that would have a 4.0. But he, he, I think he's a smart guy from everything yeah, we've seen. for sure. He looks like a very, very he's very cerebral. individual. So if he plays within himself with this Patriots team, our defense, the Patriots, and I say our, it's I, my Patriots defense, <laughs> I believe they are going to be, if not 
top three. They're going to be top five this year. I agree. Just with the additions they made. Judon, Judon yeah. is – I'm excited to watch Judon play. That's my top. And then Jalen Mills is also still pro- pretty pretty solid option up for, for the defense. And yeah. I don't see him being like this great defender, but I also don't see him missing too many assignments. I see him doing his job, mm-hmm. the Patriots MO. I think Mac Jones plays within himself this year. Obviously, Cam Newton will probably start week one. I think that's the smart option. I think Mac Jones is not a week one starter. No, I think if anything, you give Cam five weeks, see how he does, then reevaluate the the situation. But if Mac Jones stays within himself, plays smart, just lets the game come to him. And then, as Brady did so often early on in his career, and even still did later on in his career, he knew when the moment was. And so if Mac Jones can recognize the moment, and this goes to what... Jameis Winston said he learned this from Drew Brees. He said, I believe it was, you don't have to be Batman all the time. Mm-hmm. You just need to know when to be Batman. Sometimes it's okay to be Bruce Wayne. I think that is Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones needs to hear that and recognize that he needs to recognize when his time is to, to make a step up in the game, step up in the game and make a play for his football team. So here are the Patriots' first five games of the season. My, Miami at the Jets, home for New Orleans, home for Tampa in Brady's return to Foxborough, and then at Houston. I feel like the Buccaneers is the only t- team that they should lose to. So if Cam Newton starts the season out and they're four and one, oh, you don't. Has he? Ha- do you make? Do you make the switch? No. Or yeah, you, I, no, I agree. you roll with you roll if whoever's starting at that point. If you're four and one, you go with it because four and one puts you in a position where you're you've made it through what the first. Almost the first third of the season. Not quite yet, but almost the first third of the season. And you're probably first place in your division. And you're probably sitting first place now. Depending I, on what Buffalo does. Yeah, the Buffalo. And let's see, they, you said they played the Dolphins first. Right. They don't play Buffalo until December 6th. That's going to be interesting because that, right. could, that, could be, that could be a division. Exactly. So, so, they, division. so they play Buffalo, Indianapolis, and then Buffalo again. So... And then they, ideally, don't, they, don't play the, they don't play the Dolphins again until Week 18. As a Patriots fan, ideally we are 4-1 and one at that point. And right. maybe Cam Newton is, is having a phenomenal year. And I, I see no signs pointing to Cam Newton having a terrible year like last year. I right. see him only being able to succeed this year. Now, that just depends on Cam Newton. Of course. Everything now of depends course. on Cam Newton. It's no longer can we get weapons. Because we, while the weapons are not phenomenal... Their weapons. Having two legitimate starting tight ends exactly. on the same team should be enough Our tight ends for a quarterback to look at least serviceable. The last couple of years, a couple, I believe, um, Izzo was okay, uh, but there's a problem if your name in the NFL reminds you of a college basketball coach. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then who was the other guy? Like like Kasi or whatever his name was. No, I'm trying to. There was there we had we. But that's the thing. We've had a we, revolving we door of tight know. ends yeah. since basically Gronk, and even then. Strong kept the door revolving because he was out with injuries so many times. That's the thing. Now the Patriots have established weapons. Mm-hmm. And I believe in Damian Harris after the year he had last year. Sure. Our O-line should be back and healthy for majority of the year. Obviously, injuries are unavoidable, and you, you can't predict them. Right. Because they happen. Ask the 49ers last year. Exactly. But if the team stays healthy, running back performs as we think he should, receivers just do their job our quarterback does his job that team will probably go and i'm gonna guess 11 and 6 so i did my record predictions on my show a couple weeks ago i have them going 13 and 4 really yeah 
I don't, That's pretty generous. So I don't know if you've looked at the Patriots' schedule, but, but check this out. Okay. After those first five games that I mentioned, you have Dallas at home, the Jets at home, at the Chargers, at Carolina, the Browns at home. I think they lose that game, possibly. The Falcons at Atlanta. Then you have Tennessee at home, and then Buffalo, Indianapolis, Buffalo, and then the Jaguars and the Dolphins finish out the game. That might be the easiest schedule in the NFL for one of the better teams. Because you have That's to remember, true. they're getting a slew of guys back that last year opted out because of COVID. Right. So they're getting a lot of guys back. Plus, you mentioned Matthew Judon coming over, Jalen Mills coming over from Philadelphia. Honestly, the Patriots are a very sneaky Super Bowl team. Yeah. If they, because which is now, weird. Because, which, which is weird to say sneaky Super Bowl yeah. team with the Patriots. But now you've got all these, you've got, a, you've got a really good security blanket yeah. around whoever the quarterback's going to be. Yeah. Cam Newton's not going to have to be spectacular, and neither will Mac Jones if we see Mac Jones. So another situation that's similar to this is in San Francisco, yeah. where they drafted Trey Lance seemingly to unseat Jimmy Garoppolo, except... When Jimmy Garoppolo plays, he's 24-8 and eight as a starter. Yeah. So his team always wins, whether it's with New England or with San Francisco. So do we see Trey Lance at all this year? I think, and I like how you brought up his record, because I think records right now is undervalued in the NFL from a quarterback. Because you look at Mitchell Trubisky last year, mm-hmm. who was in... By no means is Trubisky a, an elite quarterback. But he had a winning record but he last had a, year. I believe it was 8-2 and two maybe. Or somewhere along those lines. Oh no, he got benched like way before that, did he not? You know, but he. So Nick Foles went. I don't know. He last year. I know for a fact Mitchell Trubisky, and I'll look it up. I think he was three and one. At, but at a certain point, he was three and one, and then he got. He might have been six and two, but at a certain point, he came back in there and started, and his record was fine. And now I know they have Justin Fields. I would not right. pass up Justin Fields by any means. Right, I think M- Mitch Trubisky is in Buffalo now. Right, and they got rid of him, but he still had a great record there. And Jimmy Garoppolo is the same way. People are very critical of his performance in the Super Bowl, rightfully right. so, rightfully so, because it was a poor performance. But people forget that he took them there. And yeah, while he wasn't the main reason they were there, mm-hmm. he was still the quarterback. He was at the helm of the offense. And to me, Trey Lance is the future of that team. But you got to let Jimmy go. you got to let him go play. Because A, if he goes and plays well, then his value as a player only increases, which is going to help your team either build around Trey Lance or build around Trey Lance, Trey Lance. And then also, Justin, just like New England, Cam Newton could do the same thing. Nikhil Harry could do the same thing. If Nikhil Harry has a breakout year, that's only going to add value to him. And the Patriots could get something special for him finally. They've been shopping him on the trade market. Seems like nobody's really interested because he's been mediocre to say the, no, to say the most. No, he hadn't been mediocre. That, that dude stinks. Okay, it's the, well, <laughs> that dude he stinks. stinks. And so these guys who are, who are kind of you can already tell are being almost pushed out the door. Mm-hmm. And stinks to say that about Jimmy Garoppolo, who we thought was He outplayed Patrick Mahomes right. for the first three quarters of the Super Bowl. Right. And so, but the thing is, if he plays well with the 49ers, which I think he will because the 49ers are stacked. And I think that team, I haven't looked at their schedule, but I think that team has a very solid chance of returning to the playoffs. And I think they have a very solid t- chance of running the tables in that playoffs. I do too. And possibly making a, a conference championship appearance. Do you think, or so before we transition to baseball, are you still sticking by Zach Wilson being a bust? Zach Wilson. Oh, good question. <laughs> you, forgot, had, you forgot you said that. I, so I did, I want to amend that statement because it's not fair to say he'll be a bust. However. I might just throw the tape of you saying he's a bust into the video. 
However, I am st- <laughs> that'd be funny. <laughs> I am still sticking by the fact that he was overhyped in that draft. I think he was some people were saying he was going to be the best quarterback to come out of the draft. Some people were saying he was the second best. That was the consensus second best. Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. Right. I don't I'm not confident. I'm not confident in Zach Wilson. And we'll see because you look at the talent he played against that wasn't good, but that also being said, the talent he played with was not like was by also no means not good. Yes, exactly. So it almost you can say canceled out. I think Zach Wilson will be if I'm thinking off the top of my head, I give him the fourth best quarterback to come out of this draft. Okay. Which isn't necessarily bust material. I don't know if like you'd call that bust because there's quarterbacks that came out of this it draft. It depends on how much better right. the other three are. Like I'm guessing you're putting Fields, Lance, and Fields, Lance and Lawrence or, no, or Jones. Fields, Lawrence. So now that you say Lance, I might even bump Wilson down to five. I think Zach Wilson will be the worst quarterback to come out of this draft. Just because okay. I also feel like he's landed in the worst, worst situation. Spot. Exactly. That was the that was the that's what forced me to say that he was a bust. That's what made me feel like he would be a bust. And it's not necessarily all his fault. Right. It's not necessarily all the Cleveland Browns former quarterbacks' fault that they were busts. You go to Cleveland, and right now it's the Jets who stink. Now mm-hmm. the, the Jets have Elijah Moore, which I think brought over Corey Davis as well. I know. That's a big one, too. Mm-hmm. That receiving core is, is solid now. And Elijah Moore, people, Odell Beckham, I believe, is the one who said it. Mm-hmm. Said he, that he, did. he could be all team as a rookie. Yeah, he's a talent. That is, from Odell Beckham, that is high praise. And so, we'll see. I, and I, I wouldn't mind being proven wrong. I don't want to see anyone be a bust because it not. stinks to see someone come in the league and just not live up to the expectations. It didn't stink to see Johnny Menzel be a bust, though. Yeah, that's true. When you have an attitude problem, it's always easier to see someone fail. But I want to see Zach Wilson succeed. I don't think he will. I don't think that division's going to allow him to I really, succeed. I really think he got into the AFC East at the worst possible time because Miami has a very good defense. Buffalo just went to the AFC Championship yeah. game. And then New England will probably Oh, New be. England should be in the talk to win that division. To, there's, if, there's a three-headed race, the, I think. Yeah, and then the Jets are just going to be left behind just exactly. because I don't think they can beat anybody in that division. I don't, I'm not confident in the Jets. I'm, I would put, and as far as quarterbacks in that draft, I think Zach Wilson will be. Will and probably not, be the fifth of the fifth. Obviously, you got Ian Book and Sam Ellinger, who also impressed in their Kellen preseason Mond, too. And you have those guys. And I don't sit, Zach Wilson probably won't be worse than them just because those guys, some of those guys may never have a chance to start. Right. They may never be given the chance to start. Right. But as far as the guys who are coming in the league with the expectations of being a starter, mm-hmm. I think he'll be the worst. Let's talk about baseball. Let's do it. Okay. So the Field of Dreams game was last Thursday. It was the first ever Major League Baseball game played in the state of Iowa. And basically it was played in the middle of a cornfield yeah. to try to replicate the scenery from the movie Field of Dreams, which was obviously a blockbuster hit. Three. It scored a 3.2 on the ratings, which basically, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then 5.87 million viewers on Fox. That was the most watched baseball game in the regular season since 2005. I was three when that happened. And it peaked from, and it peaked from 8.45 to 9 p.m. Eastern time with 6.09 million viewers. Wow. So we talk all the time about baseball dying and right. stuff like that. So real quick, what was your reaction to it? And then as a former baseball player, what would you do to better market the game 
or to change it to better suit this generation? So, first off, I think the it's no it's no surprise that the Yankees are involved in a game. That right. is, the last game that was as high as in viewership was the Yankees and Red Sox. I think it's no surprise. Okay. The Yankees have to be the team to really bring in, I think, the viewers for baseball because mm-hmm. the Yankees are in the same category as the Dallas Cowboys, as the Los Angeles Lakers, and then you want to transition to Premier League Soccer, Manchester United. They're one of those, they're, they're, historical, they're historical great teams. And as far as the Yankees making the playoffs this year, which looks like it's promising, one game back of the Red Sox now right. for the second wild card spot. Right. So it looks like it's promising. If the Yankees are in the playoffs, baseball will financially and just as far as viewership, they will do better because everyone wants to watch the Yankees. Now, as far as marketing the game better, I think this was a step in the right direction, to say the least, because giving, making a special event out of it, especially with teams as the Yankees and the White Sox who are – who are home run hitters. I mean, these, right. these guys will hit – and the field – I think the field was shorter than an it, average It was field. slightly shorter, but there were six runs scored yeah. in the ninth inning. Right. And that's the other thing. I think the – and getting rid of the sticky substance on baseballs, like cracking down on that Ooh, is huge yeah, for the game. Absolutely. Because pitchers having the advantage, A, is – as a hitter, is just – that's it's so frustrating right. to know that going up there – and. A I never of, knew how much spin rate actually right. affects how well you can hit the ball. Right. And so, as a hitter, and guys have reputations in the league, mm-hmm. so you know, you don't necessarily know for sure, but you can, in your head, sometimes a guy might have a reputation of using sticky substance on a baseball. Mm-hmm. Such like Garrett Cole had a lot of rumors around him that he was indeed using that substance. Well, you saw when it happened in Tyler Glass now. Remember, he yeah. tore his UCL. He blamed it on not being able to use the sticky stuff, right. which sounds weird. It's like, has your body just accommodated to cheating that right. much to where if you can't cheat, your body breaks down? I feel like that says more about you than right. it says about like the sticky stuff or well, Major League Baseball. That's the thing. And using the, the substances on a baseball, where does that – giving that pitcher that advantage to – to be able to manipulate the ball, where does that differ from hitters have, taking steroids? Because it yes, because yes, it'll help you hit the ball further, but you still have to hit the ball, and you still have to make solid contact. Because Barry Bonds, who was probably the most notorious steroid user in baseball history, if I had to take a guess, I now Alex Rodriguez hey, is in the conversation, but as far as best hitters ever, as far as that category, mm-hmm. Barry Bonds is still probably the best hitter ever, and he had the most home runs, and yes, that is all taken away because of cheating. Mm-hmm. But he still was a phenomenal hitter before the he... The thing with Barry Bonds is that he was still really good before yes. that. And so using that sticky substance is going to just... it's A, it takes away from the entertainment of the game because less runs on the board, people don't want to... People are not as... I would say casual baseball fans are not as keen to tune into a game that's going to be 1-0 to zero or 2-0. to zero. A right. pitcher's duel. A pitcher's now, duel, right. Now... Hardcore baseball fans will appreciate a pitcher's duel. It's the same thing in football as a defensive matchup. Exactly. As, as far as like, but Super Bowl with the Patriots and the Rams, that was one of the most uh, hated on Super Bowls ever just because of the low scoring. I feel like it wasn't just because it was great defense because the Broncos-Panthers Super Bowl mm-hmm. was honestly like, that was a very, that was a much more watchable Super Bowl. But the Patriots-Rams Super Bowl was just a 
it was just a mess of like bad offense. Yeah, right. the defense was great, but the offense, you could just tell the offense was so bad. I mean, I can go back to the Jared Goff throw yeah. that he missed to Brandon Cooks in the end zone where he threw it two seconds too late. Yeah. I think that was just a some bad offense, and I think that's why it was hated on more so than most defensive Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. But go ahead. But also but that being said, also offense generates views. Of course. And so in, in baseball every sport. and in baseball, you need to implement new and the, in baseball the they've been talking about new rules and new and new, I'm gonna and new, I'm gonna ask you this okay do you think they should ban the shift I hate the shift as a hitter I hate the shift because and as a Rangers fan watching Joey Gallo go up against the shift for, well now he's with my team now right, the, Yankees. the Yankees but watching him and players like that go up against the shift it I don't know because it, it's a huge... Do you not think that's like a tactical advantage, though? Because in basketball, so I played basketball, if you see that a team can drive the ball to the basket, you play zone, so you mm-hmm. switch up your defense. Or if you know they can't handle the ball, then you put pressure on the ball handler. So is that just not a concept of, like, take away their strength? If the strength is pulling the ball, yeah. Why do? You, what, what's wrong with putting all of your defenders over there? To a hitter, I would say, learn to, to hit the other l- way. learn to hit the ball the I other agree. way. Like, is that that difficult? No, I, it is. Or bump the it, ball down the third base line. That is something I've been thinking about. Now, it's that's easier said than done. Of course, everything I know is easier said. But however, but in, you're a professional baseball player. Right. You should know how to hit the ball to the opposite. That's field. true. And hitting the other way is is more difficult than it yeah, looks, just because being able to you're. And when you're hitting the ball the other way, it's because you're letting it travel more. And then you got you have it's more of you, obviously your powers for, from pulling the baseball. And so you or for lefties, you know, especially Gallo, we talked about him. When he hits a bomb, it's typically it's left. All, it's, it's always to right field. Yeah, it's yeah. To right right center. Yeah. But Aaron Judge the other night in the Field of Dreams game hit an oppo home run. And that's what I've liked about Aaron Judge's game as he's evolved into a better baseball player he's become more of a hitter Mm -hmm. now he's not hitting 53 bombs a year like he did in his rookie season but he's hitting 290 right so he's getting on base he's more disciplined at the plate and he hits the ball to all fields there's nobody ever shifts on Aaron Judge but with the home run leaders like even Shohei Otani there's a there's a major shift with Otani major shift with Joey Gallo and major shifts with all with all those players and I think banning the shift is letting hitters off the hook yeah it's like saying okay Ben Simmons can't shoot free throws so every time they foul him we're just gonna we're just gonna take it out under the basket regardless if he was going up or not because we know he can't shoot free throws so banning the shift would be like well we know they can't really hit the ball the other way so we're just gonna let make it easier for them to just do the one thing and limit themselves I feel like at the professional level you should not be able to do that I 100% agree I would say I hate the shift like as far as the hitter standpoint but as far as the game in general there's no reason to ban the shift because like you said you need to know how to hit the ball to the other field. It's something, as a baseball player, you work on day in and day out. You're, you got to work. Do they? That's what we did. And we always worked. And that's <laughs> no, we you always, did. It was a point of emphasis, actually, to learn to hit the ball the other way. Because as mm-hmm. pitchers get better, they're not going to throw it to your, to your, in your wheelhouse. They're going to paint the corners. Right. They're going to hit their spots. And you need to learn to hit the ball where it's pitched. Now, you brought up bunting down the line. I have been interested to see why players don't do that more. Now, some players have taken advantage of that. Some have, yes. And but why does not everybody do that? Because you're moving the so say for a left-handed hitter, which yeah. is mostly how this works. The shortstop is over on the other side of second base, and then the second baseman is in the right is in right field, and you have the third baseman closer to second base. Why do you not just bunt the ball literally right down the line 
and there's nobody there. Yeah, I agree. It's hard to it's hard to say why they don't do that for a fact. I would also say tying it back to viewership. I think it's better if they don't bunt because you know casual fans again, which is majority of yeah. the audience, yeah. they don't want to see bunting. However, strategically, you should bunt mm-hmm. and you should you should implement the bunt more if they're going to run the shift. Now, t- you mentioned earlier Aaron Judge becoming a better hitter. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to almost take that conversation to the NL for a guy who is a very electrifying, famous, notorious, whatever baseball player you say, well, probably one of the biggest names in baseball mm-hmm. still in Bryce Harper. Okay. Who I believe is, which will, which luckily Grayson and I get to go on the radio tonight. We and do. But I believe he's putting his name not only as the front runner, but since Jacob deGrom's been hurt, I think Bryce Harper is the a or the NL MVP right now, and mm-hmm. that's because I believe, and this was the last week, so he's probably hitting 297. He's hitting. There. He's hitting 297. Okay, so 297. I don't know how many home runs he has now, but last time I checked, it was 18. So not, not outrageously mm-hmm. awesome, and just he's not hitting bombs, but his average is solid, and his OPS I believe is phenomenal right now. And that's on base percentage, you know, plus slugging, which 981. is 981, which I believe is well above the average in the Absolutely. MLB right now, and that's yeah. that's phenomenal. And so, you know Bryce what I Harper, you know what I noticed? You know, there was there was always a stigma around Bryce Harper was just a home run hitter yeah. and not really much of a much of an actual hitter. This is this is his batting average over the course of his career: 270, 274, 273, 330, 243 a down year. 319, 249, 260, 268, 297 this year. He honestly hasn't been that horrible of a hitter. You want to know what it is? And because I, I like, Bryce is it because Harper. he strikes his out added, a lot? Okay, yeah, his strikeout is his strikeout percentage is pretty. It was pretty poor. I don't know how it's doing this year. The thing about Bryce Harper is he's got that attitude. First off, that pe- well, some people don't like. Mm-hmm. But the main thing was is he came up in the game the same time Mike Trout did. And that was the comparison is Mike, Bryce Harper or Mike Trout. And then Bryce Harper got paid that big deal before anyone else did. Right. And so there's this, that, like you said, the stigma. Why does he deserve the big deal? There's players out there that are better than him that deserve that big, such as Mike Trout. And it wasn't fair to compare Bryce Harper to Mike Trout because Mike Trout probably is the greatest baseball player we've ever seen. Probably. Now, yeah. he, unfortunately for him being on that Angels team, which... We talked about when the season first started before mm-hmm. we took the break for the summer. Yeah. Right. He has not been in the playoffs. We've never seen him in the playoffs. He has, I believe, 12 postseason at-bats. 12 postseason at-bats? In a 10-year exactly. career. He's basically not been in the playoffs. No. And so it looks like that the Angels are ascending to that point, to where they might be in contention for the playoffs. They just have to keep everybody healthy at this exactly. point. But unfortunately for Bryce Harper, he had to be compared to Mike Trout. I believe that was a big reason why he kind of got – People mm-hmm. thought he was overhyped, and then people, I think he was just overhated. Yeah. And instead of yeah. appreciating the way he plays the game, which is very electrifying, he's a very entertaining baseball player. I think that's why he got his stigma, because he didn't necessarily live up to that hype which people were unfairly placing on him. But as far as now, he's becoming a more well-rounded hitter. He is. He's staying, we talked about staying within yourself earlier as a hitter being able to stay within yourself and put together and string together solid at bats in a row is huge and I believe Bryce Harper has now found the key to being a consistent hitter instead of just going on spurts of home run streaks or you know 
just like that piecing together consistent at bats right. is huge. I <laughs> you look like you look like No, I didn't know I didn't blank out. You, you know, when I see that 18.58% of the Dallas Mavericks cap for next season. Oh, Mavericks. Yeah. What about it? Is to Kristaps Porzingis. Yeah, so, okay, so let's, let's so transition let's to that. Talk, let's so let's talk about, about this. So Luka Doncic signed the $207 million Supermax extension last week. He's the youngest player to ever do that after making all NBA teams twice in his first three seasons. So what, what, how, does, how does this impact the Mavericks going forward? Because th that's only next season. Luka is only going to take up 6% of the Mavericks cap next season. I know. But if we go... To 2023, if my computer, if my computer will load, the Wi-Fi isn't actually. I'm still good. biting my tongue on Chris Stapp's Porzingis, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So him. Luca's cap hit will actually go up to 22.09 percent starting next season, so 2022-2023. So they will be paying about 70 million dollars next season, 2022 rather, to Kristaps Porzingis and Luka Doncic. And when he first signed that deal, yes, he's worth it. He's worth yeah. every penny. He's probably the new face of the NBA once, you know, Kevin Durant, LeBron James transition yeah. out and retire. My first reaction was the Mavericks are not getting a championship with Luka Doncic. I don't believe it because they're going to pay him so much money and they're going to try so hard. They're going to, they're going to empty every single possible option to get or rid him. of Kristaps yeah. Porzingis that they're just going to be on the hook for so much dead cap money when Luka Doncic is in his prime. So I don't know if they'll be able to bring over any free agents. Yeah. Now the next piece to this is do free agents want to come here? And we saw before Luka Doncic that this wasn't a big free agent destination. Yeah. Do you think it, I don't even think it becomes a free agent destination now, do you? Here's the thing with Dallas. And there's, it seems like the last, I would say five years, we've had, we've, when there are big players on the market, there's always a list of three to five teams that they want to go play for. And Dallas always sits at about the five or about four the four spot. or five seat, exactly. And Chris Paul showed interest in coming to Dallas, mm -hmm. but he didn't. Giannis, which we didn't think he was going to come to Dallas, right. but there was talks that he could. Right. He didn't. Bradley Beal was rumored over here this offseason exactly. as well. There's so many people and there's so many players right. that are rumored to possibly come to Dallas, but when you really look at it, it was – at best third in their list mm -hmm. and hopefully that changes i think what <coughs> is going it's going to take for that to change is luca and the mavs winning a playoff series for right. the first time since they won the finals mm -hmm. which i believe luca is more than capable of obviously this playoffs he showed us that he can do enough now the fourth quarter he left, a, but he left a little bit to be desired. He left a little quarter. bit to be desired, but, but I he don't didn't play. get help. This is a That's league. This is a league where you have to have mm -hmm. another running mate. And Kristaps Porzingis could not, not score it. over a guy that was my height. Kristaps Porzingis might have averaged eight, eight to ten points in that series. He and averaged, I think, four or five rebounds as well. That's my problem. If you're seven three, <laughs> that don't even get me started about the rebounds. The guy is about <laughs> as good as the broom that I keep. In my in my dorm room closet. Right. I, I the guy is he settles for threes, which is fine. He's a solid shooter, and if he's open, shoot the ball. But he settles for contested threes. Right. He doesn't play big whatsoever. No. And I know that he's dealt with injuries, but the Chris Stapps in New York, as as a young player that we saw, mm -hmm. 
the defense was so much better. His it looked like almost it was just a healthier Chris Stapps. Like mm-hmm. he looks skinny now. Like a lot. I don't know. For some, maybe it's the Dallas uniform. I don't know. But he looks like just a completely different player than we saw. And I mean, Dallas does have a little bit healthier food than New York does. That's true. That that's probably true. But also, Texas in general may not. Have you seen Luca? Luca well, could probably lay off yeah, some he, of that Texas yeah, food. Yeah, Lu- Luca should definitely be shopping at Whole Foods from well, now. Well, Luca. The thing is, is, and I don't blame him for gassing out. It was just like a fighter gassing out in the later right, rounds. Exactly. He gassed out in the fourth quarter. And I don't blame him for that because when you're doing everything for your team for mm-hmm. three quarters, you, you would kind of want some help. You want some help. And Tim Hardaway Jr. provided those spurts of just excellence, really. Like he was, he would get catch on fire. He would go on streaks where he wouldn't really miss. But he's not the guy that Luca needs. In right. order to propel the Mavericks to the, to I think that. Tim Hardaway can be the fourth best player on a championship. Okay, team. I would even say that you could you could make the stretch that Tim Hardaway can be the third. And now you're saying fourth best player, depending on who that second option yeah, is. Yeah, I think Tim Hardaway can be a phenomenal third option because he's going to give you nights where he goes off for thirty. Right. And those are the nights when your one and two guys they can kind of coast almost, and maybe do their job. Now, obviously, playoff time, there's, you don't coast. You you go. But in right. the regular season. You need guys to, to take the load off of the superstars. So that way, they're not guys aren't gassing out in the regular mm-hmm. season. The long NBA season, long season, and you need help. The Mavericks, and the guy that I've been wanting to go there, which he won't anymore, just got him a ring as the number two option in Milwaukee. Chris Middleton yeah. is the guy I wanted for Luka. So let's talk about free agents for a second. Okay. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about Luca for a second. Then I'm gonna br- I'm gonna bring up a kind of an interesting point because like I you know I asked you about as a baseball player about mm-hmm. like hitting. This is something about basketball players. So I'll bring that up in a minute. Remember last year when we were talking? I said I would rather have Jason Tatum over Luka Doncic. Yeah. Let me. Th- these are the young faces in the NBA right now. Here, here are the young faces. Jason Tatum has been to a conference final and then been to a conference semifinal. Devin Booker obviously was just in the NBA final along with DeAndre Ayton, who was the first pick in the Luka Doncic draft. Yeah. Trey Young been to a conference final. All of the young faces, and then Giannis obviously is the finals MVP and has won two NBA MVPs rather. All of the young faces of the NBA have been out of the first round. Just throw Jamal Murray in there as well. Throw Donovan Mitchell in there. They've all been out of the first yeah. round. That's something Luka's kind of lagging behind. And I get it, and I and you know with Giannis, Jason Tatum, Trey Young, you can say Eastern Conference. Well, that's why I threw Devin Booker in there. That's why I threw Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell in there. So to have some Western Conference representation, but Luca is going to have to figure out a way to get out of the first round, yeah. especially if you have home court advantage and a two nothing lead. So, in terms of attracting stars to Dallas, this is why I think Luka Doncic might be a hindrance to this. Number one, superstars want, still want their numbers. Yeah. Luka Doncic has the third highest usage rate yeah. in the NBA. Now, maybe he can transition and figure out how to play like James Harden did with the Nets and figure out like how to be more of a, yeah. of a facilitator like LeBron James. Then you might start to attract stars. Because as a basketball player, particularly if you are a superstar basketball player, they love attention. That is basketball players. They are wide receivers, but make all of them right. basketball players. They love their attention, and they're not going to sacrifice that for a guy who is so ball-dominant and so useless off the ball like Luka Doncic. Because as great as Luka Doncic is, he has two major flaws. He's useless off the ball, and he's 
and he doesn't play defense. He sucks. And in a, he does. And in a and in an era where a lot of your superstars, your Donovan Mitchells, say for for example, or Trey Young, most of your superstars also don't play much defense. Right. Neither does Bradley Beal. So now you're having you'll have a situation where the Mavericks they don't have a big that plays defense. Now you have your two primary scores also don't play defense. So you can maybe make that work to where oh we're the best offensive team in NBA history like they were a couple years ago but you're also a bottom five defensive team and that just doesn't work in the playoffs. That all goes back to my point. I don't think the Mavericks win a title with Luka Doncic. So for your first point, I I agree. Luka, his defense sucks. His off-ball movement sucks. But if you take Luka off that Mavericks team, that roster is abysmal. Oh, it's awful. But if you take Tatum... I'm not saying Luka Doncic is useless, and I'm not saying no, he yeah. doesn't deserve $207 million. But like with your first point, talking about all the guys to make that jump to the second round, you take you took Jamal Murray off that team this year, and that Nuggets team still went to the second round. Right. You And they beat a Blazers team. That is a very solid Blazers team. Yes. They st- they've got... And also, that Blazers team, Damian Lillard needs some consistent help. Damian well. Lillard needs I think this is the last season that Portland gets a pass because if if Portland doesn't get out of the first round this year, Damian Lillard should be asking out. Yeah. I agree. Damian Lillard his time in Portland is probably coming to an end. Yeah. But as far as Luka, Jason Tatum, you take him off that Celtics team, they're still going they're still going to be bottom bottom seed in that in that Eastern Conference. Right. But and then Devin Booker who I want to introduce another little you reminded me. I have a little discussion. We might both agree. We'll get into that after this. Devin Booker was great for the Suns this year. Mm-hmm. Was he the best player on the Suns? Yes. Maybe. Yes. Maybe. Yes. Was at their stages of their career, I would much rather have a young, spry yeah. scoring assassin that reminds me of Kobe Bryant than an aging Chris Paul that weathered away in the finals. I mean, Drew Holiday. Devin took Booker pre- did pretty, pretty poor in the finals. Okay, as well. in, in a couple of games, but. After like that first game, as soon as Mike Budenholzer stuck Drew Holiday onto Chris Paul, yeah. Chris Paul was bad. <laughs> Dang, why did I sound like that? He sounded atro- he was atrocious yeah. in the, in the in the finals after after Drew Holiday was stuck onto him, and Devin Booker kind of carried the Suns because you remember they weren't really blown out in any of those games. So, I think as the season progressed, we saw really that you would kind of rather have Devin Booker. I know, didn't we get into this argument with Levi on his show? On show. I believe back in like April or March or something like that. Well, all right, we'll we'll leave the Luca discussion in the the in the rearview mirror here. I want to okay. I want to elaborate on this a little bit more. I guess we're going on rabbit trails. We're going now. on rabbit trails, rabbit holes. We've, we've is, we, is it a rabbit hole or a rabbit we, trail? I mean, we debated that right before the show. We did. Technically, a, a hole is an underground trail, so I believe saying rabbit trail is perfectly fine. Did you grow up saying rabbit trail or rabbit yeah, hole? Yeah, I said rabbit trail I all said the time. Rabbit trail I don't know what I used to say. I say it all the time. But as far as Chris Paul and Devin Booker, Devin Booker saying he carried that Suns team is... I'm not going to say he carried it. I didn't say that. Uh, maybe maybe I misheard you. I thought that's what you said. But anyway, he... If you look at his field goal percentage, 45, very solid. In the finals. Okay. Chris Paul... Shot 55. Now, I know that comes from the fact that Chris Paul took considerably less shots. Not to mention a lower degree of difficulty. I don't know. I, will, I would not say that much lower. You watch Chris Paul and those, those faders over bigger guys, he was shooting so many fadeaways from 
that elbow or the low block, which is his shot. That is his shot. It's his shot, but you judge the space that was between him. Right. And this comes from somebody who played basketball. I think if you practice that shot enough and you have, you know, eight feet of space away, even if the guy is seven foot, it's not a terribly hard shot to make. I will say that much. So you're saying a six foot. No, I'm not. I'm not guard. saying it's easy. I'm not saying okay. it's easy. But if you consider that with Devin Booker just backing down guys, usually guys like PJ Tucker, who are much stronger than him, and then turning around and fading, plus the way that Devin Booker right. finishes at the basket, I think. I think it's a. It's. It's not the. It's not the most. We don't need to contest this this much. Yeah. But. Yeah. You know, I think there's a reason why. Uh, why Chris Paul shot a higher percentage right. than Devin Booker. Well, Chris Paul shot 100 shots in this finals. Devin Booker shot 143. Chris Paul made 55, which would translate to his 55%. And then Devin Booker made 65. So he shot 43 more shots and only made 10 more in this finals. Mm-hmm. Now, we can talk degree yeah. of difficulty. Now, regardless, Devin Booker is not the... Like, when it comes to Luka, you look at Luka, we talked about that. Devin Booker is probably the best player on that team, which mm-hmm. is what I was going to say. He probably is. Yeah. But he's also, his number two was top seven I'd say in, a the top MVP, seven. in the yeah. MVP rankings mm-hmm. last year. And he was higher than Devin Booker. And without Chris Paul, that team was bottom feeders of that conference right. for so long. Devin Booker's one of those guys that you need a point guard. Yeah. Because you couldn't have Kobe Bryant or Dwayne Wade on a team without, at minimum, a serviceable point guard. So when, so when Miami was winning titles, like... Like, th- think about it. When Miami was winning titles, you know, Mario Chalmers was a serviceable point guard. Now, was he good? Not particularly. And then you had LeBron James, uh, obviously. LeBron James was the uh, point guard. Yeah, but I'm, I'm keeping it, like, with the traditional positions. And then when the Lakers were winning titles, who was the point guard? It was Derek Fisher, who was also a Hall of Fame point guard. So, so twos like that that score the way Kobe Bryant, the way Devin Booker, yeah. the way Carmelo Anthony scores, you need a one. Because th- those kinds of people are not going to be able to to carry the team just because they're not they're not facilitators. They can't run an offense. Kobe Bryant could not really run an offense. Michael Jordan needed a point guard. There were there were there were point guard. And also he needed a two because remember he didn't start winning titles until he got Scottie Pippen. Yeah. But also I'm not saying you need an all-star point guard. You don't need a Hall of Fame point guard like Chris Paul, but you need a you need a point guard if your best player is going to be a two that scores primarily in the mid range. Right, or but, that's, the but that's, the, that's my point, though. Devin Booker It doesn't had, mean that he has to be the best player on the team. Devin Booker, no, Chris Paul may not be the best player on that team, but Devin Booker had, of all the options we just talked about, we just discussed Mario Chalmers and Derek Fisher, who are by no means, I would say they, are, they were role players in that team for a fact. And that's what you need. And they played their role. But now Devin Booker has a point guard who is top three point guard of all time. Yeah. If not... And I think that's that's fair because that's fair. you have Magic, you have Curry, and then I think Curry's two right now, and I think eventually could be one. Depends on how the rest of his career goes. Right. But that's the thing. Devin Booker had Chris Paul. That Suns team mm-hmm. should have won that series. De- I don't, couldn't I don't help know that if I would say that. I don't sh- know if I would say they, they, they should have up, won. They went up 2-0, though. Right. And DeAndre Ayton became basically just crawled into his turtle shell yeah. and let, <laughs> yeah. let Giannis do whatever he wanted. Um, that's not... Devin Booker's fault. That's not Chris Paul's fault. Mm-hmm. That Giannis was Giannis was a beast. Can't take away from Giannis. Nope. But Chris Paul and Devin Booker, who might be the perfect duo, 
Mm -hmm. because you have a guy who averaged 22 points in that finals in Chris Paul. Then you have Devin Booker who averaged 28. So he averaged a whole six points more. Chris Paul averaged four assists more. And they, they played their role in that as that one and did. two perfectly. They did. Now, while we're on the subject of Devin Booker, I would like to ask you, would you rather have Devin Booker or Jason Tatum? Wow. And then I would translate that to Woo! when people are comparing Devin Booker, and I love Devin Booker. Um, wow. Um, so I'll answer this. I'll maybe ask you this. Who reminds you more of Kobe? Devin Booker. Really? Devin Booker. Um, neither of them play defense particularly well. That's Their offensive games are very, very similar. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, their numbers are also very, very similar. I think Jason Tatum has a better three-point shot. Mm -hmm. I think Devin Booker finishes better around the rim. Neither of them play defense. Neither of them do. I think that Devin Booker, because of his speed, and when you see them try to play defense in the postseason, I've seen Devin Booker do it better. So I would say Devin Booker from that particular instance, but that's a pick em. All right, yeah. That's a pick I would take you Jason can, Tatum. You can tell that they both were mentored by Kobe Bryant. Exactly. That's my point. We discussed the Kobe comparison. Mm -hmm. I think personally watching Jason Tatum, now in the postseason, Devin Booker reminded me of Kobe more just because Tatum was – out in the first round. It's not his fault that that team had to play the Nets, which unfortunately. Not to mention he was down, he was down Jalen Brown, Brown. And then the whole the whole thing was just imploding. Were, the whole operation they, went went to hell and then they promoted Brad Stevens for some reason. Right. That Celtics team was never going to make a run in that playoffs. They didn't right. have anything going for they, them. They didn't have the horses. I will say this. Before this year, I always thought Jason Tatum reminded me the most of Kobe out of any player in the NBA. Okay. And I still stand by that. You can still because, stand by that for sure. Well, just because it was the original. I think Jason Tatum came in and you saw him more in the limelight because he was in the playoffs. Do you think it was because he had a better organizational structure around him and Devin Booker, we just forgot about him. Right. Devin well, Booker dropped 40. <laughs> yeah. Mean, no, not 40, 70 on, on Jason on Tatum. That, that's, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. Not really well, I don't Jason. know if Jason Tatum... I think Jason Tatum was on, was he not? That was a long time ago. That was Isaiah Thomas's. That's Celtics. right. You're right. Anyway, but Devin Booker still. Devin Booker is that type of. I mean, Kobe goes out there and gets 81 points. Right. But Jason Tatum scored 50, I believe, against maybe it was 55 against that Nets team mm -hmm. this playoffs. Those two players are definitely the two closest that we've seen to They're Kobe. probably two of the five best scorers, just pure scorers, yeah. in the NBA right I now. Would, I would, you, could, you could say that. And I also think Chris Middleton shows a lot of Kobe-esque. Um, Translating that back to Luka, I think Chris Middleton, a, a person like him, he's not particularly a star necessarily, mm -hmm. but he's very, very good. If you went on a, like a star rating, where like four being a perennial all-star, okay. and then three being sometimes an all-star, I think Chris Middleton is a three-star. So where so so I think that guy is one that you can get to pair with Luka Doncic. I think that's the best they'll be able to do though. So you have Chris Middleton, who reminds me a lot of Clay Thompson, uh, not necessarily in playing style, but as far as like his his. I think role. Clay Thompson's a four. You think Clay Thompson's? Okay. I think Clay Thompson's a four star. I agree. I think Clay Thompson because he's is, more consistent. He's definitely better than Chris Middleton. Mm -hmm. Just when Clay Thompson is hot, 
that might be the best player I've, I, I've witnessed being on fire because I've, he doesn't miss. Oh, it's amazing. He doesn't miss. It's remarkable. Uh, but as far as these types of players, which we, we can translate back to Luka, the Mavs do need to find a guy such as Clay Thompson, right. such as Chris Middleton, a guy that mm-hmm. can come in there, say, I'm okay with being the second option here. You right. don't, and if that's Chris Stapps, because right now the Mavs have to say, in Chris Stapps, we trust. Because yeah. they have no other option. Because they're basically paying him. I'm just they're, not going to get into it. Because 30, they're $33 million dollars next year. Yes, they're paying him basically as much money as a number one option yes. to be the... A guy that well, disappears in the playoffs year was, and can't score over somebody who's no taller than me or you. Last year was like... He was probably the fourth option in the playoffs. Right. And he's getting paid. And he's getting paid. And he's taking up a fifth of the salary cap. So, Chris Stapps. Chris Stapps. Here's what the Mavericks. Makes me very frustrated. Here's what the Mavericks can do. And in a hard cap league like the NBA is, not as hard as cap as the NFL, in in a league with a salary cap, you have to learn how to properly price commodities. Right. So, you've properly priced Luka Doncic. He's going to take up 20% of the salary cap over the next couple years, and that number might continue to go down because the salary cap usually goes up. Right. This is weird because, like, the pandemic obviously cut the finances. Right. So if the Mavericks can start properly pricing commodities, you might be able to build something that could be similar to replicating what they did in 2011. Yeah. That's a big if. Big if. And, you, yeah. and you've got to, you're going to have to attract people because the Mavericks don't have any draft picks right. for the next couple of years. They didn't this year. So this also, this question just popped into my head. As we discussed a little bit in the NFL, there's players who can raise their value not only to the team, but as their individual values on the market. If Chris Tapps plays well this season, which if I had to predict, Chris Tapps will probably score close to 20 points per game. And if I don't, hopefully he can get at least eight rebounds a game. But I think 20 and eight is a fair Ask if you're the Mavericks and you ask Chris Stapps, get us 20 and 8 a game, and then ask Tim Hardaway, get us 14 a game. Yeah, get us 14, 15 a game, and because that will come with the spurts of where he gets 30, and then there will be the games where he gets five. Yeah, but as far as that, if you ask Chris Stapps to get 20 and 8, so let's say he goes out there this season, gets 20 and 8, mm-hmm. they make the playoffs, they have a solid playoff run, Chris Stapps plays well. Then do you say, okay, do we have something in Chris Stapps, or do we let, or do you let that? that almost mm-hmm. that value that he just added do you let that shop the market and do you do you say hey what do you want for Chris Stapps I think at this point you're going to have to be you're going to be taking low for Chris Stapps for Zingas and you I think just, even if he has a great season if, oh if he has a great or not season, great my bad if oh, he has great a great season well his health is always going to be a right. major concern right. so you're not going to get a ginormous return for him and then also he's going to have to have an all NBA season because the following season in 2023, he's going to take up 21.5% of the cap. So he's still going to be, the Mavericks are still going to be on the hook for $36 million in 2023. That's ridiculous, man. There's Gosh. no way to get rid of him. So he you can't has get to, rid of him. He has to be all NBA because the Mavericks can't do anything else right. around Luka Doncic. Be, they're, they're cap stricken. They need. They need Chris Stapps. Obviously, they need Chris Stapps to play well. Yeah. But they need a, a guy, which Tim Hardaway, it's so hard because the Mavericks have, in their, in their ability, 
each player's peak ability mm -hmm. could probably win that Dallas Mavericks team a championship. Yes. However, Luca, who's known to be inconsistent, Kristaps, who is very inconsistent, Tim Hardaway. Oh, he's, no, oh, he's not very. He's not inconsistent. All he's the, consi he's they, consistently they, bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so these well, Kristaps. During the season, he's got he he's inconsistent. During the playoffs, during the playoffs he's consistently he's bad. Dinks. Yeah. So, you have three guys who are your three best players mm -hmm. who are not consistent. Yes. Dorian Finney-Smith might be the consistent that one consistent spot on that Mavs team, who is as far as shooting, he's not consistent. But shooting is a very hard thing to be consistent mm -hmm. with because you have your nights where you're off, you have your nights right. where you're on. And shooting is like a hard thing to do. Exactly. <laughs> and Dorian Finney-Smith is by no means a a great shooter. However, he can hit his open threes, mm -hmm. which he gets a lot of, and he's a hustle player. If you, he was probably our best rebounder, if I had to take a guess, in that series against the Clippers. So Dorian Finney-Smith is your fourth best player. He's also probably the best defender on that court. Mm -hmm. Now the Mavs, who actually, need, I think Moses Brown is worth bringing up, because I think he's... I was going to bring him up in a second. But right. Well, so, so we're, we're running out of time here, but I was going to say this. Mark Cuban is an expert businessman, right? So you would think he knows how to properly price commodities. Right. See what you think about this. This is the 2023 season, which is the first season where we can start to think about them bringing over somebody of note. Tim Hardaway Jr.'s cap hit, $18 million. Then you have restricted free agents, and this is going to be their cap hold until the Mavericks part ways with them and just not match a qualifying offer. Maxi Kleba, seventeen point five million. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Dwight Powell, sixteen point six million. Boban, six point six five million. Is this is this is an example of not properly pricing commodities? And this is why I this is just goes back to what I said. The Mavericks are not going to win a championship with Luka Doncic unless a Luka Doncic changes the way he plays and then it is more superstar friendly and attracts more superstars and b they finally learned how to properly price commodities. So, Because that is inexcusable. So I think the conclusion that we might have come to here, or at least the conclusion that I have just come to, is that the Luka Doncic Mavericks can win an NBA Finals. They can. And they should win an NBA Finals. But if they don't, it's on the Mavericks. And I'm not going to blame Luka because I watched Luka play in the playoffs. Not nope. his fault. I'm not going to blame Luka Doncic exactly. either. I'm, I, and if Luka plays like that, which signs point to he's going to play like that yep. for probably another five to seven years, yeah. it, his game will change. It's going to have to change. Mm -hmm. But if Luka plays at a level such as this, then winning a championship is not his fault. It's not his burden. Yes. It's, it's, it's on the Mavericks front office. It's on Mark Cuban. And it's on the coaching staff, which... I like Jason Kidd. I like, Jason I like the Kidd. player coach. I like I like Jason Kidd, but I wonder if Jason Kidd is going to be is going to be an enabler for Luka Doncic to continue this sort of thing that just isn't very attractive to other superstars. That's true, and I think the best comparison to this would be when Michael Jordan played, and I gosh, I can't remember his. It was his third season in the league, and he averaged thirty-seven points a game. He did one MVP, but his coach, and it was the guy right before Phil Jackson. Right. Um, I can't remember his I name. I can't remember his name, but. He, he was a good coach, and he was a guy that was always dripping sweat yep. uh, during the games. Great coach, but he was he was em he emphasized playing through Michael, and I believe Jason Kidd is going to emphasize playing through Luca, which can be good or bad. Exactly, and that is what's going to be determined in the season, which now gets me excited to watch the Luca Doncic Mavericks. Texas is a state with no income tax, and they still lose out 
to teams in California and New York where the state income tax is insane. Yeah, I don't want to talk about the. You brought up Maxi Kleber too, getting paid that <laughs> amount of money, and that just also just well before out be, before Landon just like has steam blowing out of his ears. That'll do it for us on the Spinning Sports Podcast. Landon Buffet, Grayson Singleton, get some rest. We're gonna be on the radio tonight. Yes. Take it easy. God bless. Keep cool. We'll see you next week.